What's up, JFW family? Welcome back to the Channel 23 podcast, episode six, if you can believe that. The purpose of this podcast is to reach out and touch the fleet, to engage and inform everyone of all things JFW. Back in the studio, we got Super Dave, and we're also introducing JR and Big Tone, Tony Martinez. Welcome, guys. Good morning. Morning. Morning, everybody. Going over episode five stats, we now have 77 followers. Episode five did pretty good. We had 134 plays. Episode one went over 220 plays. And total, since we started the podcast, we have 856 plays. We're actually in two countries, if you could believe that. Obviously, the United States, but somebody in Australia has actually listened to this podcast. If you listen to this one, again, we'd love to know who you are and how you got a hold of it. So hit us up on Facebook or something like that. We're actually in 11 states, and I actually had a pretty good uh, pretty good message the other day on Facebook from uh, Daniel Woosley. He's out in Georgia. He no longer works here, obviously, but uh, he listened to the podcast and wanted to know when we're going to put out another one. So thank you for that, Daniel. All right, guys, you ready for the dad joke challenge? Oh, man, I've been nervous about it. Well, you might as well go first, JR, if you're nervous. Let's, <laughs> let's get it out of the way. Putting me on the spot. Yeah, man, uh, you guys all hear about the two radios that got married? I have not. <laughs> no. no. Reception was fantastic. Oh, no. okay, JR, not bad <laughs> for yeah. a beginner. It was, actually, it was actually a fight on the moving staircase that night. Things escalated very quickly. Oh, he's coming with two. Okay. Whoa. We got a stand-up comic. <laughs> I do, before anybody else goes, I do want to make a complaint. Super Dave and Brother Dave have been getting emails with dad jokes, and <laughs> that just that just bothers me that nobody sent me one. That's, that's why we got to bring up the game. Right. Yeah. I'm going to use one of those, too. Let's hear it. All Hit right. us. Hey, uh, do you all know what uh, you call James Bond taking a bath? Mm. What would that be? Bubble O seven. <laughs> oh, Bubble O seven. Okay. <laughs> Tone, you said you wanted to come on the podcast until we brought up the dad jokes, and then uh, that kind of threw you for a loop. But let's hear what you got. Yeah, I mean, you guys know I don't have uh, quite the edited jokes, but um, I guess my joke would be: uh, Who would uh, who buys on the first date? Who, who buys dinner on the first date? Who buys on the first date, Tom? Whose idea was to go on the date anyways? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, bringing it hard. Very true. Well, you guys know I'm going out of town next week, and I booked my hotel, and they wanted to charge me 10 extra bucks for air conditioning. I called them up and complained. I told them, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. That's a good one, Jim. Uh... All right, moving on to celebrations, birthdays, Paco, November 8th. Everybody knows Pox, 0070. Yep, I forget how old he is. How old do you think Paco is? Uh, he actually told me yesterday, so Cheater. I actually do know. Uh, happy birthday, Paco. Happy belated birthday. I know it was uh, yesterday. And uh, he turned, uh, he told me he turns 39. I think he's lying. I think yeah, he's he looks lying. younger. Well. Depends how far away you are. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 0055, Nolan, he had a birthday on uh, the 9th yesterday. And then Rodney Davis, 0036, he's coming up uh, tomorrow. So happy birthday, guys. 
Yeah, happy birthday, guys. Happy birthday, guys. Yeah, happy birthday, fellas. Anniversaries, we got 0054, Andrew Fetner. His one-year anniversary is tomorrow, so happy anniversary, Andrew. And then 007, Gene Freeman on the 12th. What's that, Friday? So That is Friday. That is definitely is Friday. And happy anniversary, yeah. Andrew. Happy yeah, anniversary, Gene. Way to go, guys. Is way that Gene's? Go. I didn't write it down. I should have wrote it down. Is that his two-year anniversary? It, I would say three, wouldn't huh. you? Yeah, I think three. Gene's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. But even more important news about Gene, I don't know if everybody knew what was going on with Gene's back surgery. He had a back surgery, I don't know how many months ago, but long story short, it failed, and he had to go back under the knife. So he had two surgeries, one on November 7th. It went well, and then yesterday he went back in for a second surgery. He's already feeling a lot better. The surgeon told him he is one tough dude because when he went in there, he was able to actually unscrew uh, some of the screws by hand, not even using any tools, and then the cage that was in between his vertebrae was loose. So Gene's been working and walking around with, I mean, basically a, a hurt back. Like, that sounds pretty serious, but sounds like the surgery went really well, and Gene was in high spirits yesterday. So just uh, I'm going to continue to pray for Gene and hope he has a 100% full recovery on that, guys. Yeah, hell yeah, Gene. Um, tough dude, dude. Um, I don't care what Super says about you. <laughs> and happy anniversary <laughs> to all the other guys. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, Gene's definitely a tough Ouch. one. I saw I saw him the last couple of days he was here before he left on medical leave, and he was in pain. So definitely, he's uh, he's a he's a warrior. Yeah, he he definitely tapped out one day. He was like, "Yep, that's it. I'm going home, and I'll be back after my surgery." So, yeah, good luck, Gene. All right, shout outs. I'm starting a new thing called shout outs because every week we give shout outs, and then we end up missing somebody and stuff like that. So. Last week, what I missed, and Uncle Freddie brought it to my attention, he actually volunteered nine times on Saturdays, so he also earned four and a half days of PTO. I think every podcast, I got to go back and <laughs> correct <laughs> correct Uncle Freddie's stats, so good job, Fred. Yeah, good job, Fred. Right on, Fred. It almost seems like there's a little bit of competition right there between, uh, it was what, Jose Barraza, and Jesse, Jesse, and Fred. Yeah, Fred. So, Fred's yeah, right definitely. there with those guys. Good yeah, job to all those guys. He's a beast, man. He's definitely, he brings it yeah, every he day. He bring it. Andrew Fetner gave me a call, and uh, he was a little disheartened to hear what, he felt like the same names are giving shout-outs every week. So I just told him, hey, what, give me your list. Who do you think needs a shout-out? And I got to tell you guys, he had a pretty good list. <laughs> I can't argue with his list at all. Some good guys on the list. He did want to give out a uh, he did want to give a shout out to the shop, the wash bay. You know both those night divisions. Um, but he wanted to specifically point out Rob White for always willing to help him out, Marty for bringing food, Jack Domenico and 0065 for keeping a clean truck and pre and post tripping. But then also I think we made a bamboo announcement about Eric, Leroy, and Freddie. They pushed a car out of uh, harm's way. They pushed it off the road. It was in traffic. And then he also gave a shout-out for uh, Stingray for being helpful. I want to give a special shout-out to the Night Corps guys. Those guys are a special breed, you know, working overnight, taking care of that Corps. Josh James used to do that on their, on his own. But uh, we got Charlie Barand and Jason and Damage Gamage doing it now. Those guys do an excellent job. Yeah, definitely. I agree with all that. And uh... – I, I agree. You know, there's some people that we don't shout out to. And, uh, 
it's hard to keep up with so many, you know, whether you're a driver or you're part of the leadership team and all, it's hard to keep up with so much and, and try to remember to give all those shout outs. So definitely shout out to everybody. Yeah, we could have a shout out podcast if we yeah, want. Yeah, you know, to. those Night Corps guys, they're, they're kind of unsung heroes. They just come in and get the job done. I think so many people don't even know who they are because they just come in and they get it done. And if anybody's been to one of those dairies, and you imagine shutting off all the lights and going there in the middle of the night with no support and no directions. Um, of course, they know where they're going, but um, those are not easy places to get in and out of. And to do it in the middle of the night is, is pretty awesome. I'd say that's where teamwork comes in, right, Super Dave? Absolutely. Well, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Leroy Luna, uh, mechanic over at the West Yard. Uh, dude knows the stuff, man. He's quick, fast, it gets our stuff done right, write it up. He doesn't just look at the small stuff that we wrote up. He actually looks at the whole surrounding before he puts the truck back in the uh, back in the yard. Um, although he does suck at backing up because every time we come in, the trucks are hella crooked <laughs> and we have to readjust. So if somebody can train him like JR, Jam, Super, come on, man, help me out here. I like to back in my spot. In the morning, nice and easy, and I have to get out and maneuver. But <laughs> anyways, besides that, dude's a good mechanic. Um, he, I haven't had any issues, man. He's really good at what he does. I love his attitude the most. He's always smiling. He's always in high spirits. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, really good dude, man. Uh, we all like him over there. Yeah, We call him Babyface now with that. <laughs> he shaved it off. Yeah, he shaved it all off. <laughs> I, I did a double take when I saw him yesterday. I was like, what? Who's that? Yeah, he's all fresh. <laughs> So, JR, I'm, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. I'm excited to have all you guys, but what a lot of people don't know is JR and Scooby were actually the very first guests of our pilot podcast. And what I mean by that, when, um, you know, us as the leaders were talking about doing a podcast, there were some questions, and some of the biggest questions was, do we have the time to do it? What kind of resources is it going to take? How much effort is going to be put in it? So... JR, Scooby, and myself went over to the training center and we sat a phone down in the middle of the room and we recorded a seven minute podcast and we called it Three Guys That Have No Idea What They're Doing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and these guys had about 30 seconds notice to do this. So it was pretty cool. And we sent it off to Jim and Dave to listen and then they just kind of raised their eyebrows like, okay, maybe, maybe we can do this. So shout out to you and Scooby for being part of making this podcast happen. So thank you. You said how uh, long? How many minutes? It was seven minutes. Seven minutes? Yeah. We've you actually, know the local radio hosts are like amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, thank you, Jam. Uh, it's funny how that you mentioned that because that day when you told us, hey, I need to talk to you guys if you guys come to the training room, me and Scooby just looked at each other like, oh, what happened? You know, and uh, we get in there and you're like, hey, we're going to do this and all of a sudden that that worry converted into excitement yeah it was a good time we had a good time doing it so i think by the end of the podcast we called it like three guys that might have a clue or something like that three so. morons in a microphone <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly so they said exactly. three amigos <laughs> there you go that would have been a good one so jr walk us through walk us through the history of your driving career and how you ended up here at jfw you know, uh, contrary to popular belief, I did not start, you know, I, I don't have 20 years under my belt with a CDL or anything like that. I actually got my CDL in 2014, uh, in October. And, uh, you know, my driving career started 
uh, just trying to get out of the uh, retail end of things and just trying to get away from that and doing something new and different. Um, something that would remind me a little bit more towards what I was doing when I was in the military. I was a flight engineer. So, you know, switching buttons and doing all that stuff in a flight station, switched over to a truck and you got all these switches, all these gauges. And that just reminded of me of, of doing all that. So it, it got me excited about driving again or to start a driving career, I should say. And, uh, I actually started off with an owner operator, uh, up in the oil field and, uh, just kind of slowly progressed. That's how I started learning more and more. And, um, finally 2016 rolls around. Uh, I wanted to get away from working with an owner operator. I was kind of tired of the whole 1099 thing and having to pay taxes at the end of the year. So funny enough, we used to park right in front of JFW, uh, right there where the Redburn lot is. It used to be Rhino services or something. And, so I put an application in for JFW because I did like the end dumping uh, portion of, of that driving job. And um, obviously I put in more other applications. JFW never called me. It, it took them a while. And uh, I Damn, would get... Super Dave. <laughs> you call back? You I'm not everybody. pointing any fingers, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it took a while. So, you know, I was kind of in need of a job at the time. I mean... As most of America, you know, we live paycheck to paycheck, and and I needed to work. Bills don't wait. And the first the first company that uh, hired me was an oil field company, and I really didn't want to go, but hey, it was a job. Uh, I had just been there for two and a half months, two weeks shy of my three months, and getting benefits and all that, and finally get a call from from uh, Super Dave here. And I was actually on leave for my uh, grandpa being sick. He was mm. on his deathbed pretty much. Oh, man. Hey, would you like to come work for JFW? I didn't hesitate. When do I go interview? You know, and he gave me an interview date. I told him when I'd be back from, from where I was. And we had an interview. I got hired on the spot and very thankful for all that. I, I, there's not a day I'm not thankful for being here and for having that chance. Must have been a good interview, Jr. because I don't hire very many people on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> very, well, very few. <laughs> it definitely makes me feel a lot better. But, yeah, it was, it was amazing to, to, to be hired on the spot after my driving and, and the culture interview that you conduct. Um, we had a very good conversation even after that. And um, I was excited. You know, I went back and gave my two weeks notice. Uh, it was funny enough that the other job actually told me, like, are you sure you want to go? We actually were hoping to, to promote you to management or something. I was like, no, like I, I want to go to this other company. So I passed up on that opportunity. That's awesome. JR. Um, didn't you tell me that Gabino G that's driving Gene's truck? Didn't he teach you how to drive an end dump? He was actually the one that actually, uh, uh, taught me how to end dump. Uh, so the, awesome. the owner operator I started with, obviously oil field tanker. We, when he was transitioning his trucks to come over here to Denver for end dump, he uh, referred me to who Gabino's boss was at the time uh -huh. to help me out for however long until he got ready, which was a couple weeks. And uh, Gabino was the one that pretty much gave me a little bit of the basics of end dumping at the time. And uh -huh. um, uh, yeah, that was actually my first taste of Morrison as well. Gotcha. Well, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, Gabino, but if you do, Good job getting JR, JR trained up here. 
So Jr., it's been it's been nice. You know, when I got here, you were you were still end dumping. You were running a rock tub. You were in charge of plant two. Uh, you got the safety director position. It's been fun watching you grow into your position, and you've come a long way. You're one of my go-to guys. You're actually going to be filling in for some of my duties while I go out, go away on my hunting trip next week. So, tell us what the transition was like going from a driver to the safety director position. Ah, oh, man, I gotta say the transition was uh, it, it it was an experience in itself, man. Going from you know just knowing the driving portion of everything and then just coming into the into the position to where now you're seeing everything as a whole in the bigger picture. Mm. It, it was a learning curve. You know, I, I can't lie that, uh, I felt like I, uh, I did not come out of the gate running or anything. It was more of a crawl and it was, it was a, a nice steady trend. I believe we're in upward trend and, uh, you know, my growth has a lot to do with everybody here yourself. Uh, Super Dave, uh, listening to Jim and, and Brother Dave, whether it was at the safety committee meetings or the safety meetings with all the drivers, you know, it learning how to look at the bigger picture of everything, I think has been the, 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 I'm not going to say the biggest obstacle, but it has definitely been, um, even to today, it's, it's something that I continue to learn about. Yeah, I mean, that was my next question. What is the biggest challenge you face? So can you give us an example of that? Uh, biggest challenge I face, uh, you know, I think it's just trying to work with everybody here. Um, everybody has a different, uh, a different background, a different upbringing. Uh, you have to try to put yourself in everybody's shoes depending on who you're talking to and what the situation is. So I think that's the biggest challenge for me is just you know, trying to empathize with whoever I'm, I'm talking to, whether it's a good thing or maybe it's something I have to kind of reel in one of our drivers and like, hey, man, like you got to take it easy here or whatever the case may be. And you, you, I always try to do it in a very respectful manner, um, give my experiences with it and, and explain to them exactly why, you know, things are the way they are. Um, I think that'll be a challenge every single day. Yep, a lot of different personalities here to, to mirror and figure out, you know, how different people operate and, you know, what works for one guy doesn't work for another guy. We find that out all the time, you know. There's no playbook for what we do. What worked for a big tone here may not work for, you know, the guy that parks right next to him. So good job on yeah. that. Agreed, agreed. And and I honestly think that that's actually what makes it exciting to come here, to work and, and be able to see everybody here. I think that's the... Uh, fourth item down in the creed together we celebrate our differences and respect those with whom we work absolutely i think that's to say four i think that's number three no number three is we joyfully uh, uh, create honest value for those we serve i, I, <laughs> I think we're gonna have to take super dave's word on it he's yeah. been here just just shy of 30 years i should never have challenged super dave on the creed Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah, that was a bad idea. Dude. Hey. I, saw, I saw him ball his fist up for a minute. Kind of walk in the back of the room just to see what's going to happen. I get put in my place a lot by Super Dave, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> JR, one more question for you, uh, for right now anyway. What's the most valuable lesson you've learned in your position? I think the most valuable lesson I've learned is patience. Um, 
I've, I've always thought I've had patience, but in this position, you definitely have to, you have to have a way higher level of patience. Um, whether it's with, with our teammates or, or, uh, our external teammates. And what I mean by that is Brandon, you know, loader operators, um, batch plant operators and anybody external. Um, that also includes our customers, which is the general public. I'll delete the awkward pause out of here. Don't you worry. (laughs) (laughs) I big tone. Um, part of the reason we wanted to have you on the podcast here is you're very interactive. Every podcast, you give me a call, you tell me what you think, not only on the podcast, but just in general, you know, you've called me about things that you love and you've called me about things that you don't agree with. Everybody knows who 0084 is. You got a lot of different names out there. Big Tone, Tone Balone, Fam Bam. Jimmy Chonga. Jimmy Chonga. Yeah, that. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Who gave him? I've not heard any of those. I thought well, he was just Martinez. Um, you guys remember Tex. Oh, yeah. And um, I was he I told him to make me a sticker, and he made the sticker for me, so I put it on the back of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> slapped it on. I cleaned it up, cleaned the window up, and I slapped a sticker on. Everything was good. And he sat there looking at it, and I was like, you're good? He was like, bro. He was like, why the hell would you want to put chimichanga on the back of your window? I'm like, like what? I'm like, you that dumb? He's like, I just, I'm like, it says chingon. He was like, I knew there was a G in there, dude. There had to be a G somewhere. Uh, I was like, dude. I got to say, you know, aside from Tex being deaf, you know, he's a little dyslexic, but shout oh, out to man, Tex that, if you're listening. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Tex, if you're listening, dude, man, we miss you out here. Yeah, you and all, Peach, man. Good guys. We all miss, we all miss Tex, for um, sure. But, yeah, but uh, it was uh, Chingon, Super Dave. Chingon. Chingon. There you go. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll have, let me translate that for you. It means badass. <laughs> I, I, got, I, I got that from my grandmother because I got caught stealing from a, a local market where I used to live at. Uh-huh. And the cops brought me home and she was calling me like a payaso, which means like you little clown, you little chingong, you Mr. <laughs> chingong out there. And, Grandma whooped you up, huh? Uh, not, not once or twice, but there's been quite a few times, yeah, <laughs> where I had to tell people I fell and I, you know, she tripped me and on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> She was great, though. If you want to, if you want to talk about this stuff later, Tone, after we go out there, I'll be here for you. <laughs> no, I already discussed it. And she's probably listening up top right now, so I better chill out. She might hit me with a lightning bolt. <laughs> so, Tone, same thing for you. What's uh, tell us a little bit about your history of your driving career and how how'd you how'd you end up here? Yeah, I uh, came from a company called UNFI, or a lot of people call it UNFI, and. Um, I got put in the yard as a yard dog to move trailers around. And uh, I guess at the time you didn't need a commercial license just to operate in the yard as a hostler. And then um, they were just like short staff on drivers. So they said, hey, we'll pay for your commercial license. We'll take you to send you to school. We'll pay for it. So yeah, hell yeah, I'll do it. So I got in the truck and started driving ever since. And I was with UNFI for uh, 12 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's in the food industry. and. Um, I hated it because you pull up to a store or a restaurant and you didn't have the right product. Oh, man, they were cussing you out, calling you an idiot or uh, just going off on you. And then, uh, yeah, I gave it 12 years, and uh, I basically had uh, called it quits. Couldn't do it no more. The times with the kids weren't there. 
Um, it was just, there was no time with family. It was just constantly. As soon as your 10 hours was up, you're back in the truck. They had a route waiting for you. But uh, that was part of my driving career. I mean, that's how I started. First of all, a 12-year tenure, that's impressive to be someplace for 12 years. Great job on that. And did you just come straight here, or did you have another job? Um, I had another job lined up, and uh, I, I took that, and then uh, that fell through that. It was not successful at all. So that, that was just, you know, false advertisement. What was that? Um, I was delivering for uh, Best Buy, and they were promising, like, you know, green grass and palm trees and I got a dirty yard and you know a dried up lake so I didn't didn't <laughs> like it at all so then I found this I found JFW online and I applied and then I got a call from Jam from you and uh, interview and I interviewed with Super Dave and it got brought on board and uh, yeah man I love this place it's pretty cool I actually enjoy it so yeah we like we like having you here I can recall a time in the yard, you and I didn't see eye to eye. Things got a little awkward. You had heard a rumor up at Fry about something, and I didn't respond very well. But I can't remember. I want to say it was hunting. We started talking about hunting, and that was like a common theme that we started connecting on. And ever since then, things have been real cool. You do a great job. I think you were on both lists for uh, not only perfect attendance, but accident-free. Am I right? Yeah, both lists. Yeah. Safe, good, safe driver for sure. What are some of the differences you noticed right away coming over here to JFW? Um, like from another company? Yeah, from. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the very first time I when I showed up here, and they had a safety meeting, and uh, I recall Brother Jim going off, uh, like not just on a specific person, but it did pertain to somebody. And uh, he went off, and he was just like, what the, what the hell were you thinking? And and in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, I like this place already. Hell yeah. I could definitely say in some of those meetings when we had the new drivers come in and like, oh, you know, you'd look at their faces. But if there's one thing that Jim and Dave are is passionate. Yeah. They're passionate yeah, about this I, place yeah, and when about he, us. Yeah, I think it was with the, something with the lug nuts or something. I couldn't remember recall, but, man, he was like going off. And then on the back of my head, I'm like, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> this place is already cool as it is. And then, um, you know, that was one of the biggest things that i seen here. And then just um, along with just like with the atmosphere of like all management, everybody has a commercial license. It's just not like, you know, they threw somebody in a seat and then that person thinks they know it because, you know, they work at a truck company, but they don't actually, they've never been behind the wheel. So that was one of the key things here too. Not only does everybody on the leadership have a CDL, everybody on the leadership team has driven here for JFW, and that's something I really, really like, and I'm proud to talk about. Yeah, I've heard I've heard of situations like that. I believe uh, one of our most recent drivers, and sorry if I can't remember who exactly. I'm, again, we go back to we see so many people and so many stories and stuff, but he came from Amazon, and uh, he was telling me the exact same thing you know you know you have all these drivers and all management have no cdls they've never been cdl holders and they're managing their truck bosses basically and like how can you be a truck boss and not have that experience under your belt yeah that's so the other thing that's really weird like, to me you know yeah and that's like the thing that i noticed too when i was coming from you know unfi was like you know you'll tell them like hey you know weather's pretty bad up there you'll make it <laughs> <laughs> okay um cool well i mean 
I guess. And then um, there was times where I had to get into a um, like a tight spot, and I was in a 53 foot trailer. And I'm like, I can't get in there. They're like, no, the customers say to get in there. They said they sixty seven. Uh, they see sixty seven footers getting in there all the time. Well, what the hell are they hauling a rocket? Like, you can't get in this little door with that. And then I remember one time I brought the truck and trailer back, and they were pissed. They were like, you I blew bet. all our fuel. I'm like, don't worry about it. You guys make millions a month. A couple hundred bucks ain't going to hurt you guys. Huh. So other than passionate driver's meetings, what other differences have you noticed about JFW? What do you, what do you think about the culture and just the day-to-day? Um, I see a lot of teamwork, man. I really do. I, I see a lot of open communication, uh, filter and unfiltered communication. You know, um, we're in the trucks all the time. We listen to it. Um, you know, we're all willing to help each other out. And that's like 100, you know, that's what I like about it too. Like mm-hmm. everybody's willing to participate and help each other out. Or how even when a driver pulls over on the side of the road to either shoot a message or, you know, whatever, there's always somebody out there. You, hey, you good, dude? You need me to pull over? You need any help? You know what I mean? Things like that. And that's what I like about it here too. It's like, everybody's on one page and i hate to say it yes i'm biting your your style here but what you told me over the phone is like your objective is to get home to your family and that's what i see here too absolutely you could bite that that's not mine i mean i talk about mission you know and if things are part of your mission or not part of your mission if something's not part of my mission then i'm not going to get too involved with it so yeah that was a good talk i remember that talk tone I could piggyback on that yeah i think part of our mission is to have everybody everybody come home you know and home yeah. is the yard and home after that as well you know and if we can have that teamwork like tone is saying because i experienced that as a driver as well mm-hmm. and i continue to see it even till today as well it's just nice to see everybody helping each other out and i believe that was a, a one of super dave's uh culture questions is what would you do if you saw somebody on yeah, the side the of the road and yeah and yeah you know, we talk about toxic environments and environments that lend themselves to your uh, performance and your happiness. And ultimately, we want to create an environment here that everybody really just enjoys what we're doing. And that way we are more passionate about it and we do it better and we, we are involved. And uh, that makes a huge difference. One of the things I love that you say, Super Dave, is, you know, during an interview, you know, obviously the, the candidate is selling himself on his skills and his character and, you know, who he is. And we're selling ourselves as who we are as a company and our culture. But once that person gets hired on, I mean, we got to we got to stand behind our name and we got to be that company. And we got to we got to deliver the promises that we told the people in the interview. And being that everybody's been interviewed by you, they all know the same thing. You know, they all know what kind of culture we're supposed to have, the expectations we have of how we're going to treat people. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that we do deliver that, that that makes me proud. It is up to us, all of us. Yep. No, that's not true. You left me hanging with breakfast this morning, bro. <laughs> what happened to teamwork? I'm sorry. I already finished the Cheerios before you got there. <laughs> no, I ain't doing Cheerios. Could have had like. Well, if you, if you knew Super Dave enough, you know that's what he brings for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, every um, day. Have, I'm like Tulsan Tyler, and you can have them Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> Scooby's been gone for uh, 14 years, and then he came back, and he looked at me the first day he came back. He goes, you still eating those Cheerios? <laughs> <laughs> I think what you're trying to tell you is up your game now, Super. <laughs> uh, something I hear Scooby saying all the time, it's good good to be home. 
Yeah. And when he's referring to coming back to JFW. So Yeah, we gotta get Scoob on the podcast too. He he'd be good. Yeah. Big Tone, what's uh what's your biggest point of frustration here at JFW? Because I know we don't make everybody happy every single day, and that's kind of impossible to do. You and I have had a lot of conversations, so what's what's your biggest point of frustration? Um, pretty much the. Uh, I mean, I don't want to throw this out there, but I'm a, I'm gonna. But drivers being impatient, I see it a lot up there. Um, yeah, I get it. We're all trying to hustle and make money. You know, we're, we all got a got bills to pay, but. Like, my frustration is, you know, there's no need to crawl up behind a trailer and just, you know, come up on them real fast just to shift them a little bit to get them out of your way. You know, just lay low, chill, cruise a little bit. It's not the end of the it's not, it's not the end of the world, you know what I mean? But that's my biggest frustration, um, just mainly with that. I mean, we're all out there together. You know, one slip, one mistake, you know, can happen, dude. Sure can. You've actually had two pretty. <laughs> you've actually had two pretty scary accidents. Uh, the first one was on 285, and then the second one was I 70. And when I say when I say Tony's had accidents, they were not his fault at all. He was just doing his job, minding his own business. You want to walk us through what happened on uh, 285? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just a typical morning. You wake up and do your morning yawning and got in the truck and went up there, got my first load, brought it down, dropped it, went back up on my second one. Back up to where? Uh, back up to fair play. Okay. And um, loaded up and left. I was out the gate. Got into Jefferson and I saw, um, and you know, this is crazy. We hired this driver, Mike Olson from DG Coleman. Smiley. Yeah, we hired him and I passed him up. Right there on the where you the two lane highway or the two lane pass when you come to Kenosha on the uh, on the west side, I passed him up, and he told me, "Go ahead, hammer down, dude." He goes, "You guys are quick. You guys are fast. You guys look good out there." He goes, "I don't want to stop you from doing your job." I was like, "All right, cool." Went around his left side, and uh, his words were, "Watch out for them idiots out there. They'll jump in your lane. You know how they are." And uh, little did I know, you know. I had an idiot on the other side coming my way, and I didn't, you know, it's unpredictable. Came down the first curve and smooth. Came down the second curve, still smooth. I was out looking out the window. And um, I came around the third curve. I saw the pickup, and then I saw the camper. And then once I saw the camper, my eye contact only was looking at the bumper and the headlight and the tire of that of that rig that was coming at me, and he jumped in my lane. And um, you guys all saw the footage. I shifted the truck pretty hard enough to, you know, get it to move over, but not go over the mountain. And then uh, I heard his loud bang, and then um, I heard like a like crunch, and then like I felt like uh, my face was being stung, you know, from different places. That was from the glass from the mirror hitting me. And uh, just sat there for a minute. I parked it, set the brakes, I sat there. And um, <laughs> I uh, I got out of the truck. Yeah, I started, like, gathering my thoughts together. And then uh, I was like, where's the truck at? She's like, oh, he left. He, you know, he been boned out of here. He's gone. And um, I got 
got back in the truck. I got down to the mountain. I still didn't have no phone reception. And finally, um, a Coleman driver came up from behind me. He said, he's like, dude, I saw the whole thing. And he goes, you can use my phone. So I used his phone. I, I called you. I called here. And, um, you know, so it was a lot of support. You know, uh, Dan tried to pull over, but there was no pull-off point for him. He just he had to keep going. Same thing with Serge. Um, I saw a big empty. He pulled off, and he was like, you know, he was just trying to get me to laugh, but he was like, he was like, you're not brown anymore, dude. He goes, you look pale as hell. I'm like, go to hell, dude. I almost damn near died up there, bro. <laughs> you all right? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just freaking out a little bit and got in contact with Jim. And um, long story short, man, that, you know, that driver got a, a – he didn't get the hit run citation, but he had, you know, from what the trooper told me, it was numerous violations on his truck because he had got a level one. Um, also, too, there was some missing stuffs in his logs, and then um, he did get a ticket for uh, speeding and uh, drifting into a lane. Uh, he also got fired. And I, yeah, yeah, you did say he'd get fired. I did yeah, I was that. in contact with the company uh, that driver was, you know, hauling for, and I sent them the video, and they were they were shocked. But he also lied. He told them that he got hit, you know, it was yeah. no big, and it was no big deal. So as soon as they saw that footage, they're like, yeah, we're going to release this driver immediately. You know, I take their word for it that they did. I mean, that's a dangerous driver. And, you know, that was scary, Tony. I mean, you got some glass in your face. You didn't need you didn't need any kind of emergency care. But another foot, I mean, that could have been a fatality. Yeah, well, the, well, the state trooper and the sheriff measured up there was uh, eight inches. Really? Eight inches. And he measured it not from the tire, but from the bumper of our truck. Huh. To the fog lane, he, was, he only had eight inches to maneuver, uh-huh. and then uh, he says nine inches you'd have been in the guardrail. Ten inches we would have been pulling that truck out of the off the mountain or from the bottom of the mountain pulling it up and then possibly pulling you out of there. Right. So he's like, somebody's up there was watching you. Okay, so you have the accident, you pull yourself together, you wash it off, and about what a week later. <laughs> Was it? Was it even? A it week? was like two weeks later. Two weeks, <laughs> and I just got the truck back too. Just because brother truck Dave back. called me, he goes, "Hey man, we got your mirror." I'm like, "Cool." I'm like, where's it at? And he's like, "It's over here at the yard. You got to come get it." And then, were you loaded out of fry? I was loaded out of fry. It was what like happened? two two o'clock in the afternoon. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna take me a little 15 minute break down here, and um, I start climbing. Left fry. I start climbing up the mountain, and uh, like all of a sudden, like I had my music going, and and. Uh, I felt the tr- the truck like jerk, like it, you know, it jumped up. And I was looking at the gauge. And I'm like, no, I'm not in automatic. I'm in manual. So I look in my mirror, my passenger mirror, and see nothing. I looked at my my driver's side mirror, and I see this car just sitting there, all smoked out. And I look at my gauges. I start hearing the air leaks. So I looked at my gauges, and they were all like blank. And I was like, no way! I just got hit. Like I rear-ended. <laughs> so I pulled the truck over, and. Um, you know, I got, I put my safety vest on and I ran down. Yeah. I ran down the mountain people. I ran down the mountain, but, um, I see the girl and she was like, Oh my God. I was like, dude, what the hell, bro? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, what happened? I'm like, you just ran into the truck and she's looking at my truck. She was like, 
Oh, damn, my mom's gonna kill me. We just bought this car. I'm like, <laughs> dude, that's your problem, not mine. So I'm like, are you good though? Like, you don't look beat up. And she's like, I'm just confused. And I'm like, all right, well, let's get you off the highway. Cops show up. And what was crazy was um, Aladdin in 96. He comes around the corner. And I could just see his little head off, you know, from the floor. <laughs> and he had that. You, know, he you had need to that, tell me he didn't have his booster seat? Uh, he didn't have his booster seat, no. And um, had his, you know, he has that hair, his little funky beard and his little hat. And uh, he's just shaking his head like out of disappointment. I Pulls over. Yeah. Was Odin shaking his head too? I get all of them were. And he was like, gets out of the truck. Damn it, Martinez, I left you alone for two minutes and you're already getting an accident again? I'm like, yeah, bro. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a... Uh, I was, you know, I was pissed, dude. I was like, "This is not happening," you know. <laughs> For the second week, I'm like, "Did that make you question your career at all?" I mean, how do you, how do you just jump back in the saddle and keep going? My, I guess you could say, is motivation. Yeah. Uh, you know, my goals and my motivation, and my motivation. Um, you know, I've always told myself this, but my motivation are my kids. Nice. And if I'm not moving and I'm not working, they're not eating. Right. So I got to keep moving. You know what I mean? Yep. But, Speaking of eating and feeding your kids, are are you going hunting this year? Uh, no, I didn't get anything for a tag this year, man. I would would have loved to go, but um, I was unsuccessful with my deer tagging, um, especially yeah. the area that I hunt over. And that's classified because I don't want nobody to know my spot. Somewhere in Colorado? Yeah, it was like somewhere near a tree and then right. there was like a rock. <laughs> Why yeah. don't you, you can't get over the counter tag or anything? In that no, I, and then I didn't have the time for it this year either. I okay. was just more being, you know, trying okay. to stay consistent here and working. And then, of course, when it's time, just relax. The one thing I know I don't connect with you on is that ice fishing. You invited me ice fishing last oh, year. Oh, man, ice like, fishing's fun, dude. Like, you got a shanty, <laughs> and you're like, nope. I'm like, so you just stand on the ice? Hell and yeah, you stand yep. on the ice, yeah. man. Have fun. Yeah, you stand <laughs> out there and just pull them out. Uh, Hey, Soup, last week I forgot to ask you, um, what was your childhood dream? If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I, I guess I really never had a dream, per uh, se, you know. Um, you know, when I was little, little, I probably wanted to be a fireman or a policeman like everybody else. But, um, yeah, I, I, I've always loved trucks, you know, and not necessarily trucking or, or driving. Of course, I love driving, but... Whenever I was little, I just loved those big trucks. They were um, the coolest things. So I, I did always kind of drift towards trucking. And when I was in high school, I was a truck washer guy and learned how to drive trucks under the, under the cuff at this great big grocery warehouse where we had to move them. We had to pull them over to wash them, right? Well, after we washed them, we'd sometimes take a jaunt down along the side of the warehouse, which was huge. I swear it must have been a mile long. We'd buzz on down there and come back. So I always had something, something special with trucks. Nice. I love yeah, I that. could just see you being a cop. I could, just, I could just see you and Brother Jim with that mustache you know, <laughs> pulling up behind me. Yeah. yeah. Did, did Brother Jim see say anything about yeah, one said that last week. He said in the last podcast last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Moving on to uh, procedures. JR, you want to talk about axling out? and calibrating your load gauges yeah definitely i mean um more than ever i mean we always talk about it year round about axling out and calibrating those load gauges so that way you have a tool it, it's it's a great tool to have in a lot of these trucks um if not most of the trucks to to have a visual of 
of what your axles are weighing and you have that confidence, especially if you're calibrating them constantly, maybe once a week, twice a week, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, it, it gives you that confidence that you are legal on the interstate. Um, as far as the gauge itself, um, you have two buttons on there. There's a delay button, which is just, you know, you switch it between one second or 60 seconds and that's the update. Um, how, how often it updates on the weight on there. And the other button is pretty much just switches between the, the PSI reading and the weight reading. And obviously we like to see the weight cause that's what we want to know. Um, you know, to calibrate that you, you got to axle out, you got to do the bath. You got to know what your steers are weighing. You got to know what your drives are weighing and, uh, what, you know, your gross weight is and eventually knowing what your tandems on the trailer are weighing. And it's, it's basic math guys. I mean, you get your steers on there, you get the steer weights on there. Um, that's already there for you. You don't got to do math to do that. You get your tractor on there and that pretty much puts your drives and your steers. You obviously want to know what your drives are at. So you, uh, subtract the steer weight off the tractor weight gives you your drives. Um, Obviously, once you're on the on the scale fully, you're gonna you're gonna have the whole truck on there. You have the gross weight. So now, that gross weight, you'll subtract the tractor weight because you already got your steers and your drives. You know, you take the tractor weight away. That just leaves you with the trailer weight. Um, once you got all those weights, you'll have your steers, drives, and tandems on the trailer. That's when you can calibrate that gauge and. Uh, the way I feel and the way I've been trained on it when I got trained on it to, to best calibrate that is make sure you're on level ground. So usually kind of like the tarping area, um, set your brakes that way your air is not moving throughout the, the system itself. Um, and you, uh, press the, uh, the PSI and, uh, weight button. You just keep it pressed down. It'll just start flashing back and forth. It'll stop flashing at one point and you'll see a little J on the right hand side there. At that point, the delay button and the PSI weight button actually end up converting to a uh, minus and plus button. That's how you start calibrating the weight on there. So if your drive axles, let's say for example, or when you did your axle weight, they weigh 34,500 pounds, but the, the gauge itself says, you know, 37,000 pounds, right? So you start hitting the little minus button. So you bring it down to the 34.5, 34.5, which would be the 34,500 pounds. Great explanation. Big Tone, are your gauges calibrated? Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Moving on to the safety topics of the week. We got two this week. We're going to talk about driver burnout first. We talked about fatigue Fatigue and driver burnout are two different things. Uh, Big Tone, I know you've experienced driver burnout because I made a bamboo announcement one day and you called me up and I got an earful. So tell us what happened and what you experienced and how you got over it. Uh, I think for me it was the, um, you guys all know like I'm an early riser, one of the first ones out of the yard, one of the last ones back. And um, there's a lot of us that are like that here. And... Um, I think for me, I was hustling so much and so fast and just making money what I like how I like and um, pretty much burned myself out, you right. know, and I got frustrated. And then um, it was just like, then I saw the email and then I was like, 
you know, I was getting more irritated. So I was just like pretty much boiling my own water and, you know, burning myself out with it. And it was just, you know, yeah, it, it, uh, I think it's more of the temperature too when it's hot out there. So it was all one big, you know, bubble and it burst. So sure. Sure. I mean, I've heard that the crime rate goes up in hot weather. So yeah, <laughs> could be, could be true. Soup, what do you think? What's good ways to ad- avoid driver burnout? Well, you have to pace yourself. Um, <clears throat> our seasons are long here. Um, and when we're busy, we're, we're busy and, um, you have to make hay while the sun shines, but you don't want to overdo it because you need to wake up. You need to have enough sleep when you do go to work. Um, so I think the, the most important thing is to pace yourself. Got it. We do have some programs here in place for drivers to avoid being burned out. One is our PTO program. Take a PTO day. Take a Friday and a Monday off. Take her early off. There's ways that you could get around being burnt out. You know, when somebody tells me they're burnt out, I'm like, have you taken a day off? No, I want to save my days. Okay, well. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> what, what are you saving them for? Save them for a day like today. You know, have you taken an early off? You know, schedule schedule early off. You don't have to get burnt out to the point where you don't want to come to work. Not that you didn't want to come to work, telling you always come to work. But, you know, instead of reaching that point, hey, man, you know what, I'm going to leave early on a Friday, I'm going to take a Monday off, and I'm going to get paid for it. I mean, so we do have things in position to help you out with that. Give us seven days in advance notice, please. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell you, man, I really wish these programs we have right now, I wish we had that when I was driving. When I was driving here, it was six days a week. There was no Saturdays off. There was no PTO program. We had a vacation program, you know. At least it was something. But the fact that we have rotating Saturdays, that's a great tool right there. I mean, I'm one to always volunteer Saturdays, but you got to know when your body needs rest and and you got to take that day, whether it's one of your rotating Saturdays off or you have to take a PTO day. You know, I think the biggest thing too, dude, is that I heard um, a lot of guys don't want to take the day off because they're going to be missing on something like, like a Friday high percentage. So like, no, I'm going to work all the way to Friday. And then, you know, that's when we start blowing our gaskets. We're just like, you know, damn, I should have took the day off. I don't feel like being here. Um, I'm one of those guys. You know, I'm like, no, I'll take I'll take this day off. And then I'm like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to try to get some extra loads in the day. So I think that's one of our biggest worries is that are we going to get enough loads that Friday or that Saturday, you know what I mean, instead of just thinking about resting. But, yeah, I'm one of those guys that will just keep moving. I get moving. that. I get that. Take a Tuesday off. You know, it's kind of random. I mean, it's not a long weekend, but, you know, if you don't want to miss a, a percentage bump day, you know, you could take a Tuesday or a Wednesday off and still get your percentage and, and do well. You know, Joanne Joanne still gives those percentage bumps. If you have, you know, approved time off during the week, she's still giving percentage bumps. So, you know, it's, it's That's okay. great. Did I say Dri- that wrong? Drivers are a unique bunch, and they, they do take their job seriously so much so it's as simple as i don't think i'm going to take this weekend off because i don't want anybody else driving my truck yeah that's the other thing <laughs> oh yeah hell yeah yeah oh yeah especially when you have ocd oh yeah it's to the fullest yeah <laughs> 
JR, what do you got on uh, winter operations? That's our second it, safety topic of the week. It's getting cold out there, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I've been I see up. everybody bundling up a little bit more. And, you know, we always mention it all year round, you know, just all these all these topics of what you need to do as a truck driver. And, and um, man, you cannot get complacent being a truck driver. It, it's just, and, you know, with the automatic uh, transmissions, these... These trucks almost operate like a regular car, and it's it's hard for a lot of the, a lot of the drivers to to get back in the mindset. This is not a car. This is a truck, you know. And you know, summer is one thing, and winter is a whole nother animal. Winter, ah, oh, what can I say? A lot of freezing temps, moisture. It just brings a lot more problems. If you're not pre-tripping, pro-tripping correctly, and and not looking at your truck, you're you're gonna have a tough time. I, I tell you, there's not a day in the winter time where we get up in the morning and we have like 10, 15 trucks that are either dead or they have a flat tire because they weren't checked correctly. But again, I'm saying wintertime brings a whole, uh, a whole new beast to the, to the, uh, to our jobs. So I guess I can, I can give out a lot of tips. I mean, wintertime you come in and we usually already know we're announcing it on the radio, you know, Hey, there's weather coming in, there's moisture coming in, it's going to be below freezing. And so when you're coming in the night before, so parking at night, the one of the most important things and and not to say that the rest of it isn't but keeping your trailer swept and clean is going to help you so much more in the morning when that new material gets gets in there and doesn't freeze cuz if you got old material from the night before it's just going to stick a lot worse you pretty much have a block of ice in there um if we know we're going to get a lot of snow i i can't I can't remember exactly how many inches, but usually we say, hey, if we're getting anything over an inch or two inches, we want the uh, the tarps rolled up. Those tarps are mesh. Snow is still going to get in there. So if you think that you're going to close the tarp, it's going to keep the snow out of the trailer, It you're completely wrong. There's going to be a lot of snow in the trailer. Having that tarp rolled out, it's it's going to make it a lot worse because now you got to get a, a lot of snow off that tarp, and that's it's just it's a hassle. So it's better to keep those tarps rolled up and just shovel out sweep out that snow out of the trailer which comes to the can i can i interrupt you yeah yeah are definitely. you moving on from the tarp are what? you moving away from the tarp yeah yeah the other reason is that tarp you know that snow could get really really heavy on that tarp that's not good for the tarp at all so i just wanted to add that in yeah yeah definitely I'm, i may be missing a few things definitely jump in guys that's how we all learn i think here is the fact that we all have we all remember something that the other doesn't that's teamwork right absolutely so uh the other thing is we're we're going to start mentioning this and some of our rookie drivers are going to be a little confused. What do you mean? You know, and one thing is to keep our gates open and we keep our gates open at nighttime when there's going to be freezing temps and resting, uh, or I'm sorry, freezing temps and moisture. And we'll have those resting on the gate latches. You'll see some people want to put hammers and blocks of wood or their brushes. Guys, don't do that. You don't know how many times you guys roll out of the yard, forget to close the gate. And down the road, we have like five hammers on the road. and Yeah, 56. You know, yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're missing a hammer or you want an extra hammer during the winter, just yep. cruise up on 56. <laughs> You'll find one. 53rd yeah, or 56? Yeah, that happened to me my 53rd. first winter here. That, 53rd, yeah. Yeah, that happened my first winter here. Tex was like, you left your helmet here, dude. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, your hard hat. I was like, where? He's like, it's in the yard. You bounced around and it left. Or you left without it. And I was like, oh, damn. You put your hard hat to it? Yeah, I put it in the, because I was sweeping out the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> at the gate, I just, I was tired. I walked away. That's using your head. Yeah. 
You know, I'd say you'd be lucky if you even get your hammer to drop out here on the street because it could be so much worse. If that doesn't, you know, you get on I-70 and you get up to speed, that it's going to cause an accident. It's going to go through somebody's windshield. windshield or yep. So luckily we have trailers that now you don't have really, not most of them, you don't have to lift up to open the latches. Now you just got this nice little button. Yeah. Go back that's, there, that's keep it nice. open with something, press the button back in and rest it on the dog, dog ears. So yeah, definitely gates open and uh, rest them on the dog ears guys this does exclude the rock tubs the rock tubs are weight you know there's no way to rest them on top of the dog ears um, unless the mechanics do something different there but those we don't really have an well, issue with no, no rubber tailgate seal either so correct correct and that was the whole that's the whole reason behind keeping your gates open is uh you so don't you, could wanna... just, you could just pry the tailgate open if it's frozen soup well, when you dump your first load, it'll ah, come open. Oh, yeah, that, that rubble will push it out. Huh? <laughs> <Right>. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and you, you mentioned the, the rubber seal on the trailers that are super, Dave. That's exactly why we keep it open. We don't want that that gate freezing onto that seal. You go load up, and you go and dump out your load, and guess what comes out with your material there? It comes out with seal and everything. Now you got a leaky trailer, and you got rocks flying out because of that space in there, and... It just brings so many problems on there. Ice buildup, whether it be on your antennas or uh, on your tarp lines, uh, that's definitely something you kind of want to break up gently on those tarp lines because if you start moving, actuating that tarp back and forth, that ice buildup will go onto the pulleys. And we've seen where those tarp lines just come off the pulleys because of all that ice buildup on there. That could either be during the night or if you're if we're driving through an ice storm, that's going to happen. So you got to check every single... Every single time you go load or, or wherever you're going, make sure there's no ice buildup on those tarp lines. So morning operations, and it, it kind of all meshes together, but we can't stress enough how much we care about everybody here. It's icy out there. It's snowy. You don't know what's on the ground when there's fresh snow on there. You got to walk slowly. You got to take everything so much more slowly. We like to call it the penguin walk, or as some call it, the poo-poo walk. You got to walk <laughs> Like you got something going on, you know, but safely and just make sure that you don't slip and fall. You know, that, that definitely includes if you're, when you're going to get into the trailer, those liners get super slippery. You got to hang on to the sides. You got to, you just got to make sure you got good footing. Three points of contact at all times if you can as well. I fell in the yard. I fell in a trailer and it hurts your pride when it happens. I mean, it hurts your body too, especially when you get older, but that's yeah, uh I remember falling in the yard and then I just started making snow angels because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, you got to play I it off. I think I remember yeah, that. I meant, <laughs> I meant to do that. Yeah, you play it off. You yeah. slip and do a push-up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I mentioned it's getting cold. These trucks are cold, you know, and everybody wants to get them warmed up. And amazingly, most of our trucks stay on when they're, I believe it's 40 degrees outside temp. They're supposed to stay on. Unfortunately, some of the trucks programming doesn't work that way. So, um, something that one or a few drivers have found out is that when you turn on your PTO to keep, it will keep your truck running. So they'll go out and turn on the PTO while they're doing their pre-trip. So the truck doesn't turn off on them and it continues to warm up guys. As much as we'd love to tell you guys, that's fine. It really is not guys. The, that PTO relies on the hydraulic fluid to run through it. And if you're not actually running your PTO, the valve itself on the dash and all, 
you're not running any of that hydraulic fluid to lubricate or cool off that that PTO. Um, so we got to tell you guys to please not do that. Um, if your truck is one of the ones that are not staying on, you know, when it's too cold out there and it continues to turn off for that idle timeout deal that we have on there, then there's a programming issue. Write it up and continue to write it up until we can hopefully our mechanics can get to it and uh, get that program correctly so it stays on for you guys and gets warmed up. As far as uh, getting in the trailer and actually sweeping out and shoveling out all the snow that gets on there when we have a good snowstorm, try not to get away from doing that, guys, because if you go and load up that that uh, material and you load it up on top of that uh, on top of that uh, snow, guess what happens? It's gonna, be fro- it's gonna be frozen. Flash freeze, guys. It's yep. gonna it's gonna be a block of ice, and I'll tell you right now, nobody's gonna like going into your trailer and having to pick out ice. So uh, definitely it, it, it's good to, you know, get in there and get all that snow out there, out of there. As you're pre-tripping your truck, guys, you know, let, let your air build up all the way. This, you know, this helps a lot with uh, making sure that the lines and, and the brakes actually come off and, and release whenever you do charge the systems there. So let it build all the way. Press in your uh, trailer button, let that charge up, let the air charge up in the system again before you press the next button. And even then, you know, wait a second or two or whatever uh, to make sure that the whole system has all that that air pressure in there. Um, this will help a lot with, you know, releasing your brakes and, and just making sure the whole system gets air where it needs it. Uh, as you start moving away from your spot, guys, I mean, open your window. Use the... Uh, Use your hearing, you know, to make sure that you're not dragging any wheels or anything. And it's a lot harder to hear that when your wheels are on top of ice and snow, but it helps, you know, accelerate a little bit out of your spot, maybe up to five mile, if not a little bit less, but place the truck in neutral as it's going forward, let off the fuel and all that. And if that truck actually binds up and and the trailer, it seems like the trailer is stopping you, you got, you got something dragging. One of your wheels is not released or something. So it's a really good tip to to do that before you leave your spot every morning. Do not forget to close your gates. You know, we're, we're talking about keeping your gates on top of the dogs and and uh, make sure it doesn't freeze to the to the seal. Well, that's overnight. Once you start leaving the yard, make sure you don't, don't forget that. Obviously, we do all this without a preload. Usually, we don't have preloads. But, you know, if you are preloaded for some odd reason, you have, you know, a Coors load, a grain load, yeah, your gate's going to be closed, so don't try to open that unless you want to start shoveling some material out of the yard. If your gate is closed frozen, let's say you came in and you actually forgot to open your gate, don't try to pry it open and do not leave the yard until we can warm it open. Usually we pull guys into the wash bay and we'll put a little bit warm water on it or whatever the case just to get it open and get that moisture off and, and get the seal to unstick from the gate itself. You don't want to get to a yard and... Hey, I'm missing my seal. Now you got to come in back into the shop and get a new seal on there. We come up to driving in adverse weather. Uh, We talk about, let's say, uh, you know, you got to adjust your speed. You got to adjust your following distance, you know, wet roads, icy roads. It just changes the dynamics of everything. So definitely, definitely keep that buffer zone. Increase that buffer zone for your, not only your guys' safety, but everybody else's, you know, on the road. Limit your engine brake usage. You know, if you know it's icy and wet out there, you know, that you don't want your tractor locking up and possibly causing a jackknife on the road. I know a lot of people say you're not even supposed to use your Drake brakes. 
I'm the firm believer of using it at your discretion. You know your truck. Um, I will shy away from saying using level three because that is your strongest Jake brake setting and you don't want, yeah, you don't want to have something that strong. If you adjust your speeds and distances, you probably don't even need the Jake brake that much. Even on a, on a sunny day, for example, like today or whatever, and fair play right now has snow. It's got icy roads. There's a lot of shady areas. Those shaded areas actually cause black ice, so that's another thing we got to keep in mind as far as our driving habits. Uh, this goes into overweight permits. We talk about this almost all the time. Just because you have an overweight permit does not mean you should load up. You know, with adverse weather conditions, icy roads the way they are at Fair Play today and all that, you really should not be using that, that overweight permit. You're putting yourself at jeopardy there and putting other people in danger on the road if something happens loading you know we start loading a little bit differently for for the winter for the winter months we know that all the material that gets stuck in the nose it gets stuck because it gets frozen that's the first thing that hits you know the wind that hits the trailer as you're driving uh it hits that nose and it just freezes almost flash freezes everything in that nose there so uh you'll start hearing a lot of the guys at the pits uh a lot of our vets, they'll say, hey, we got to load landing gear back, you know, and that's pretty much trying to keep that material away from the nose so it doesn't really freeze. I got to say, just be careful with asking for that, you know, asking to be loaded this way when, when you're going to go across a port of entry or something like that, because that's going to shift all your weight back to your, your tandems on the trailer, and you're obviously going to be over axle, even if you're under growth. So you got to be careful with that. You know, one of two ways of doing that, you either ask for a legal load and just load normally, which is your regular 26 tons or whatever puts you at 80,000. You know, there's that way. Or, you you know, if you do load landing gear back, you're probably going to have to cut back on the tonnage. You know, even though 26 tons puts you at 80,000 and you still want to haul the 26 tons, you may have to cut it back maybe a ton or two just so your uh, your axle is good if you want it away from the nose, you know. If there's any questions about anything at all, that I think that's why we're so, uh, you know, we, we always tell people to call us, you know, yeah. any questions, any doubts, call us, let us know, let somebody know, you know, we have a good team here, even including drivers that are willing to help anybody and everybody using overweights. I mean, even, even then again, we go back to the adverse weather. If we're having, you know, snow, rain, uh, sleet, whatever the case may be, or it's foggy or whatever, we shouldn't be using those overweights they're not valid exactly another thing to be careful with is just because you have an overweight and it's a sunny day but it's a really cold day it's a dry day on the road that material is still frozen so if you ask for the 32 tons and landing gear back guess what guys that material has to go somewhere and it's not going to be landing gear back it's going to have to be filled up in the nose for in order to fit that much tonnage so it's it it doesn't make sense to ask for an overweight when it's that frozen or that much and then say landing gear back watch your tarps frozen material is going to be a lot harder so if your tarp starts actually pushing on that material you're definitely going to end up breaking a, a tarp line or ripping the tarp or a bow or something as far as dumping you know it's just like us you know we wake up in the mornings nobody gets up out of bed running i mean unless you're a little kid or something but I know I get up out of bed. I got to sit on the edge of the of the bed for a minute or two to kind of warm up, let the blood go through the Rethink system. Your you know, life. it's the same thing for PTOs, guys. That hydraulic fluid is thicker. It's it's 
it's a lot thicker and, and it's just frozen, you know? And the last thing you want to do is on the first load is go out there and start raising your trailer up and just whomping on it, you know? Ah, you know? Right. It, you're going to end up breaking something. That hose is going gonna, is gonna to end up rupturing. The PTO is going to go out. Something's going to happen. Let it warm up throughout the day. Same thing if you start your truck in the morning. Don't rev up on it. Don't, don't rev up on it to, you know, get that air built up. That truck is just like that PTO. You got to let things kind of smoothly get up, up to temperature. It's very important that you visually verify that the dogs have opened. You know, uh, the guys that have to get off the truck and, and go out there and actually actuate the, the button itself, the valve itself to open your gates and drop your trailer uh, airbags, you know, that's the best time. Go just take another five, ten, five, six steps, whatever, and, and, and look at your dogs. Make sure both of them open up. But for the guys that have the automatic gym pole valves, it's very important. I mean, we always teach having your window open and listening to those uh, airbags dropping and the dogs opening. It makes a whole lot better sense if you go walk back there before you raise it any further and, and make sure that uh, those dogs have opened because I'll tell you what, nobody likes to, nobody likes to shovel frozen material. It's, it's a, definitely a difficult task. It's lost money, lost time. Yep. You learn the hard way on that one. Yeah. You do it once, you'll never want to do it again. Yep. I mean, that's pretty much as much as I got. If anybody has any other things, you know. Dave, you have anything to add to that? He was oh, pretty I thorough. Tell you, JR covered <laughs> it. Um, I do have a little story that I've been thinking about. Um, goes back to cleaning out at the end of the night. Okay, we, we tell everybody all year long, you got to clean out at the end of the day so you're ready to go for the next day. Well, this was in the spring. Okay, so in the spring, it's beautiful weather during the day and it's cold at night. And uh, I was not doing my job, and I, my last load of the day was three-quarter rock to a concrete plant. And I thought, well, all we've been doing is running plants. You know, it's winter months, and no big deal. I'll just load another load of three-quarter in the morning and rock and roll. Well, guess what? My first load in the morning was going down to Cherry Hills Country Club with a load of uh, super fine golf course sand, right? <clears throat> It turns out I knew the manager down there. I knew the greenskeeper because he grew up in Connecticut where I grew up. And he even went to the same school that I went to. But he was, I don't know, probably 15 years younger or 20 years younger anyway. But So we didn't know each other. But um, So we had a relationship with each other. And that morning I woke up and I had not a lot, but a, maybe a wheelbarrow worth of three-quarter rock frozen all around my trailer. So I had to chip that rock out because I was not going to go down and deliver this high dollar load of sand to this high dollar, high profile country club to a dude that I knew. And I had to, I had to chip that rock out. It took me about an hour, but, uh, it was frozen solid cause it was really, really cold that morning and I had to load. And so you, if you don't know, when you load a product out of a stockpile, it's warmer than the air. So it's going to warm that rock up in my trailer, and it's going to unfreeze it, and it's going to come out in the load. Contaminated load. You bet. And yeah. so I learned really well that, that day. You clean out at night. Yep. If you do get a frozen load, uh, one of the easiest ways, or I would say the first thing to try to unfreeze that load is you get in the trailer and you chip out about the, the last six to eight feet of that load you know, from the tailgate back. Throw your box back up in the air, and a lot of time there's just 
more weight than what's keeping the weight in now, and the load will come out. So that's one trick that I've learned throughout the years. Gravity is your friend, right? Gravity is your friend, absolutely. If I could piggyback a little bit more on that, you know, you, you go to, like, let's say, plant two, you're facing east. Mm. If you leave that trailer up and let that sun, you know, Hit it for a warm up that belly, yep. it usually helps out. You might wait there for about five, ten minutes maybe. It's better than shoveling out and chipping out uh, for an hour. Yeah. Shoveling a trailer out, that's a workout. I don't care who you are and how good a shape you are, you're going to sweat. And sweating in the cold is not a good thing. It's not. And and let me add to that, you know, in the cold, a lot of people don't, they don't know they're dehydrated. Yep. A lot of people, myself, I don't drink as much water in the wintertime because I don't feel dehydrated. It's cold. Right. And that's, you know, a lot of people get tired out. They'll, you know, they'll, uh, they'll uh, faint or whatever the case may be. So you right. got to watch out with that. Super Dave, you got a or tone? Did you have anything to add to any of that? Just for like for the winter driving, um, get a couple like new drivers, uh, rookie drivers that are fresh. Um, a lot of them take it really, take it to heart when the better drivers like you know, myself or a couple of drivers from the West or whatever, they tell them, you know, hey, don't do this, don't do that. And they take it really hard. It's not that we're picking on you guys. It's we got a lot of miles under our belt yeah. and then we know the ropes and you know myself i taught a couple people here and showed them like you know when the snows you got to back out of it big time because yeah. it's not a you know it's not a you know a little honda you know you're driving a twenty seven thousand pound equipment 20 more than that yeah eighty thousand. well when you're empty right you know what i mean but you know you're just uh it's not the same it's totally different because not only you're handling the tractor you got to watch where that trailer is going if you slam on your brakes because you know if it's going to go left or where it's going to go right. But it's not that we're picking on you guys. We're teaching you guys on this. Yeah. Um, obviously, some of us had had some serious accidents, you know, in our driving career. Uh, luckily for me, I haven't. And, you know, knock on wood, it doesn't happen. But we've all seen some nasty shit out there. Um, you know, fair play. Seeing like uh, I got a picture uh, from a driver that uh, another trucker had slid off of Grant no snow and he used his jake break out of three yeah and he slid off of it in the ground and he went into the embankment and crashed totaled his truck mm. luckily there was no fuel in that tank but again it's not that we're picking on you guys we're actually showing you guys like you know slow it down back out of it there's no need to haul you know like jr said yeah 32 yeah. tons just to make an extra you know an extra what 40 bucks maybe maybe less i'm maybe more exaggerating yeah. but still that if you're gonna do 30 tons and try to you know, be Billy Badass about it, it's going to cost you a ticket, cost you your job, and all because you wanted to do 32 tons. Right. Because you got permission to do it. It's so not it, it's a it, Yeah, it's a different game. Go ahead. No, it's, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's that extra four tons or five tons, whatever it is that's extra from being 80,000 pounds, mm -hmm. it's just not worth the time and effort for it. You know, uh, you're risking a safety hazard or, or a ticket or even, even an accident, you know, that extra five tons four tons five tons whatever it is it's just not worth it in the end you know definitely um, not worth it and i don't care if you're a rookie driver or you've been driving for a while don't ever turn down advice for somebody else that's just looking out for you sometimes vets need the yeah. that 
Sometimes it's more of the vets that need the reminder. Put they, your pride aside. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of them. I mean, I could use a couple backhands. Hey, cool shit. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but Super Dave, you're closest to him. Uh, let me get up. No problem. Here you go, oh. Big Tell. <laughs> <laughs> Soup, you, uh, you got enough time to hit us with a high road hauler? I know you got an interview coming up. I do. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so t- we're, today we're going to talk about uh, relationships and the foundation for your relationship, and, th- and that is going to be trust. Trust is a major part in the foundation of a relationship. It's just as easy to build trust as it is to break it down. Provided you are prepared to make the effort, your relationship, whether at work, at home, or a social relationship, are plagued by suspicion and fear Making a commitment to building trust rather than destroying it with cynicism can help you to better connect with everybody. Here are five easy ways to build trust. Number one, be reliable. Do what you say you're going to do. Possibly the most important step in building a foundation of trust. Even if it is a small thing, canceling or failing to follow through will create hairline fractures in your trustworthiness. Enough of those and the foundations will crumble. Honor your promises. If you cannot keep a promise, be decent enough and explain why. Number two, be honest. Tell the truth. Sounds easy, right? Not always. It's surprisingly simple to find yourself saying a little white lie to protect your friend, lover, or someone you care about. But if you tell the truth, even when it is unpleasant, you will become much more trustworthy. If you do lie, admit it. Sometimes it seems seems unavoidable to lie. If you get caught, don't deny it. That's simply another lie. Confess as soon as possible and explain your motives. Speak from your heart. Speak your feelings. People who only convey hard facts come across as cold and distant. Number three, be open and volunteer information. When an opportunity to be vague arises, don't take it. Instead, be specific with information to your listener to prove that you have nothing to hide. Do not omit important details because it is hard to keep up with a string of omissions or a string of lies, right? Um, Number four, keep confidences. Keep secrets imparted to you. No gossiping allowed. Never blab someone else's story. If you tell, it will come back full circle and your confidant will cease to trust you. And number five, show your integrity. Display loyalty. Trust is solid when a person knows he or she has your loyalty. Demonstrate a strong moral ethic and be personally accountable for things you are responsible for. Be neutral when placed in a different, uh, excuse me, difficult predicament and do not display double standards. Show consistency in your behavior. So we all appreciate people we can trust and we all like to be trusted. Um, and uh, the quote this week is, a man who trusts nobody is apt to be the kind of man nobody trusts. Ooh. Very true there. I'm going to have to digest that one. <laughs> By Harold <laughs> McMillan. I got to tell you, Super Dave, I miss those high road Hollands huh. ever since we stopped our safety meetings. And it's, 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 it's awesome to get those back. Cool. All right, guys. Time for final thoughts. This is uh, a time if you feel we missed something or you want to leave the fleet with something, now's your chance. We'll start with Big Tone. Oh. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Just everybody out there, fam, bam. Um, got a lot of love and respect for everybody out there. Um, vets, you know, like, you know, Google and Troy Hunt, you know, Josh, all you guys out there in the West. Um, 
guys make it fun. Guys out here in the East, not too familiar with all you guys out here. Um, I will get to know you guys as time goes on. Of course, you'll hear my big mouth on the radio. Um, we're all one, you know. Let's keep it clean, keep it fresh, keep it high and tight. And, uh, you know, PPE, watch our speeds, you know, makes sense, don't it? And let's make dollars. I like it. Great job, Tone. Yeah, guys, uh, my final thought is just shout out to everybody. Shout out especially to those that do it the right way. Um, you guys make us stand out and uh, make us really look good out there. Um, I'm always impressed by that. Great. Soup, you got some final thoughts? Yeah. Um, let's everybody be an everyday leader out there. Um, being an everyday leader is something everybody can do. And what that means is it's just taking a difficult situation and making better of that situation. Um, it's small acts of kindness or paying it forward or being helpful in any situation. It's taking that situation and making it better because you see the need. Um, it goes a long way and we need more everyday leaders out there. People like us, that we make JFW what it is and it makes JFW a better place to be. And honestly, it makes the whole world a better place to be if more people would just take things to heart and become an everyday leader. Love it. Uh, my final thoughts, I got two things going on. One is, you know, the job at JFW changes in the winter, okay? We do work as much as we can, but some people are already starting to panic. We just came off from a really, really busy season where we're wide open day after day after day. I mean, guys were experiencing burnout or – you know, people were starting to tap out. You know, we're starting to be able to breathe a little bit right now. But we got 96 truck payments to make. Jim and Dave and Dispatch, they always come through. JFW has been here for 85 years, and there's a reason for that. So don't panic. The other thing I got is uh, we're here for you guys. If You know, don't ever be scared to come up and talk to us or ask questions, you know, about work. Or if you got something going on in your life and you don't have somebody to talk to, you know, we're all here for you. There's a lot of life and ups and downs and broken, messy things that happen here. Uh, I get to hear a lot of them. But I just want to say when we say we're a family, we mean it. If you need somebody to talk to, come see me or somebody else on the leadership team. And uh, that's it. Episode six. It was fun having Tone and Jay on. And, you know, typically I say you never know we might do this again. But at this point, we'll be back next week. Actually, I've given Brother Jim the keys to the podcast. So he's going to be producing the podcast next week. So nice. I expect to hear some really, really good dad jokes on my way back from Craig. You, uh, you got elk, right? Or deer? I got a, uh, a buck muley tag. I got a cow and a bull tag. So hopefully I get oh, something. Okay. So you got it all. So anything comes, you're. We'll yeah, see. Right we'll on. See. <laughs> we'll see. Right on, man. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, guys. See you guys later. Everybody have a great day.